Hi everyone, it's Colin. Welcome to Leadership of Fools. We start 2019 with Trish Barbato. And to get us underway, the story of Hazel, a chief elder officer. Take it away, Trish. Right now, last year she went to 30 communities and held focus groups alone without any management there in order to get input from them and come back. And the great story that I love telling is that she reported back on this to our board of directors. And she looked at all of them and said, don't change the soup spoons, which everyone kind of giggled awkwardly. And then she said, no, I, this is not a joke. You cannot change the soup spoons for elderly people who, have, who need to have it feel a certain way. They need a weight that they can manage. They need it to be curved in a certain way. And apparently we had changed the soup soon somewhere without any input from the residents. And it was a uh, horrible, horrible, horrible. You've just heard from Trish Barbato. Trish is Senior Vice President of Innovation at Rivera. And Rivera is one of Canada's largest owners, operators and investors in the senior living sector. Trish is discussing the amazing Hazel McKillian, who's in her mid-90s, and her role as Chief Elder Officer at Rivera. And this is just one of a series of incredible innovations that Trish has had the honor of leading. And in this case, I'll include a photo of Hazel on our social media pages, and also links to videos of her in action, and ensure that you get details of the HBR Innovation article that Trish makes reference to in our conversation. Trish was introduced to me by regular Leadership of Fools guest, Kate Temby, and we recorded this in Melbourne, Australia on a warm January day. It's a wonderful conversation, one that illustrates what it takes to integrate innovation into a pretty typically conservative sector. And it's such a great example of focusing in on the customer and focusing in on your people. How innovation is most powerful when coupled with business integration and accountability. So this episode's one full of wisdom and a delightful way to set our path for season two. By the way, the music to introduce today's episode is an original composition recorded in the Leadership of Fools studios by Nigel Dalton and Ash Naylor. Enjoy. guest all the way from Canada. Uh, it's Trish Barbato and we also have Kate, Kate Temby. Uh, Kate, I will get you to say hello to everyone. Happy New Year. Uh, it's great to be back and having a bit of a summer podcast, I think this is, uh, but having a little bit of talent from North America is very exciting. 
it's a great opportunity, I think, really, Colin, for you to meet Trish and to hear around all the work she's been doing on innovation. And I think what's really interesting is how you can take innovation to any sector. And you'll see, I think, the depth of Trish's experience, but it wasn't deep in innovation. But what she's achieved and what I would say also self-taught uh, and really bringing about change in an industry that's not known for innovation is pretty inspiring. So it's great to bring you together. Thank you. That's wonderful. And Trish, right now in your hometown, it would be about what temperature? Minus 10 right. degrees Celsius. So it's so nice to be in Australia. In which today is close to 30 degrees Celsius. Beautiful sunny day. It so, is indeed. Yeah. So um, thank you. Um, what is your industry? If you maybe tell us a little bit more about that. Sure. So I work for a company called Rivera. We're a senior living company. And that means we build communities for seniors, and that might be independent apartments right through to long-term care and more acute requirements. We have about uh, 500 facilities across Canada and the U.S. and the U.K. under a variety of brands. Not and just in Canada, so across correct. the globe. Oh, great. Correct. Yeah, and I am in charge of innovation. Ah, fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, so did you set out to be in charge of innovation? Indeed, I did not <laughs> right. set out to be in charge of innovation. So tell us how that happened. Yeah, uh, it's a great story in some ways of um, kind of reinvention. I was running the home care division for the company. Right. And we decided to divest that division. And normally what happens to a leader, as you know, when something is divested is you get a package and yes. off you go and you find your next gig. But uh, the CEO was really keen on a strategy around innovation. He wanted to do something in the area. There was nothing going on, not only in our company, but really the sector. It's quite sleepy. It's uh, very bureaucratic. It's, um, it's just slow. It's a slow moving sector. And he came from pharma and thought, okay. no, we got we to gotta have something going on right. in this area. So he, gave, he so started this So pharma is classic research, development, Absolutely. innovation. Mm -hmm. yep. mm -hmm. yeah. So that would be quite foreign for him. It was. Yep. It was. So he created this role of senior vice president for right. innovation and yes. strategic partnerships. And I remember the sort of my first day on the job, I had just all my colleagues who had now moved on and were merged into a new company. I was alone in yes. this area with all these empty desks and no assistant and no team. And, <laughs> right. and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, what have I done? And I am now in charge of innovation. Up until then, you were running quite a big Yes, division. operations. Yeah, I had yeah. about 8,000 employees under me. <laughs> right, wow. Any event, here we are, innovation. I have no idea what to do. So um, one does what, what, what everyone does, Google it. And um, <laughs> I found this great Harvard Business Review article right. called How to Start a Innovation Hub in 90 Days. And Fantastic. I literally proceeded to implement that article. I just followed it exactly, exactly what it said. And the other thing I did, which I highly recommend, is to cold call people. I have never found it difficult to solicit advice from others. Yes. People are very willing to talk, as you know, better yes. than I do. Yes. And so I went on LinkedIn, and anyone who had innovation in their name, I literally rang them up and said, hey, I have this new job. I have no idea what I'm doing. Please help me. And people I'm were amazing wow. at sharing wow. sharing all kinds of information about the framework they were used their metrics how they sort of how they look at it philosophically what worked what lessons they had yeah these were all i have pages and pages of notes from wow. people who i 
basically interviewed, I would say, and and just learned from them. So that's incredibly that helped, generous. Yeah, it was it was really really generous of people. But I find I find that generally to be true that people people are quite helpful. Yes. And they love talking about things that they're passionate about. Yeah, and, right. uh, So it's not hard to get them to open up. Yes. So that was um, a great way to get started is to create a framework to align your business interests with what, do you, what are you trying to accomplish and then just implement some practical things to move you down the road. Yes. And I think for, for me, one of the most important things to start off with was just understanding what do our customers, what do our employees, what do people care about right. in innovation? What are the areas? What are the pain points? Where are places that we should be innovating? Yes. And we did um, a survey, a number of focus groups, and that kind of drew out a number of areas that people were interested With in. both of those groups, yeah. employees and customers. Yeah, and another thing, I, one thing that's, that's interesting, and I think we have to be mindful of when we talk about innovation and businesses, is your stakeholders will have a different view of innovation. Yes. So your, your customer will want things that impact them directly. So our customers, who are seniors, they cared about things like fall prevention right. and mobility issues and all these sorts of things. Their family members, interestingly, they cared about communication. Of course. How can you better communicate with me? How can I find out more about how my loved one is doing and what's happening with that I person? Can, I feel disconnected from... Right, and guilty guilt. in our yeah, industry, right? Yeah, That's another okay. big thing. Yes. And then our staff, they wanted things to be easier. They wanted less bureaucratic things that they had to get over or paperwork that they had to do that kept them away from the work that they really loved. And so we got a kind of spectrum of ideas from these various stakeholders and that was a wonderful place to start. Yes. And it sounds like, and, and maybe let's unpack this a little because it sounds like it's less about running, say, an innovation focus group. It's actually where are the pain? Where's the pain? Where are the problems? Where are the opportunities? What do you want to fix? Yeah, exactly. Like, so it's normal business stuff. Yes. But the kind of the uh, thing, the spin on it that we tried to put on for us for innovation was thinking about innovation as a spectrum of things. People can get overwhelmed by the word innovation. Of course. And I always say incremental innovation is radically important for right. your business. Yes. You must get better every single day. Especially when you're dealing with 500 um Communities, 45,000 employees. How many people are residents in those 500? Yeah, there's about 50,000. 50,000, yeah. So customers. one small change. Makes a huge difference. Okay. And that's true in all businesses. So yes. don't underestimate the power of that incremental innovation that can happen in day-to-day -day operations. Yes. And also the source of that. Yes. So I think about our employees and how important they are yes. to helping us understand where innovation can happen and how things might change. Well, they're living it. They're, they're living it. They're living it. So one of the things in our framework, and we really have, we have four pillars. Mm -hmm. uh, I try and keep things very simple so it's easy to communicate and, and people can kind of get it intuitively. Can I slow you down just on this? The yeah, four, please. The origin of the four pillars, is that from the 90-day plan? Is that yes, from your own? The combination of my <laughs> the article and these interviews helped me just create this. And it's really thinking about where might innovation come from? And that's yes. how these pillars are designed. Okay. They can come from employees. Mm -hmm. So we have a program around that. They can come from our customers and yes. our family members. So we have a program around that. They can come externally from innovators, from entrepreneurs, from um, people who are trying to get into our industry. So how do we yep. help them? How do we create a gateway yes. for entrepreneurs to tack on to us? And how can we help them be yes. successful? So we have a program around that. Yep. And then there are also strategic partnerships, research, 
research universities, the, the places, other places where you might get ideas so that have a different kind of a bend to them. So you're listening to the full ecosystem. in the organisation and in the life cycle of the organisation is really what differentiated it. Because so many businesses do go out and do a focus group and understand their customer and, and have partnerships, but how you bring it to life I think is really the nice nugget. Mm -hmm. So that's the integration, the connection back into the business. Do you want to talk through that? Yeah, uh, let me just give you an example. For, in, for employees, we do an innovation challenge annually. So we call it our I challenge. Yes. And we get our employees, we give them a kit. It's an actual physical kit. When you open it, it has these wonderful questions, conversation starters. Nice. So, and they are related to the topic of innovation. We have uh, team building exercises. We have a little banner they can put up. So it's something That's tangible, right. tactile that they get at their community. We also have a lot of stuff online. We ask them to come up with one idea, yes. something that is important to you. Yes. Vote on it at your site. Engage your residents and your family members. Send it back to us by this day and we're going to have some regional award winners and and that sort of thing the first year that we did this i thought to myself oh well we'll see how it goes right. uh you know and this was we did it with the more acute side of our business mm -hmm. which um you know has a lot of regulation and that sort of thing and i have to say shame on me because i thought i was going to be completely underwhelmed with the ideas that came out the exact opposite happened. We had 75% of our communities were involved, literally thousands of family members, residents and employees oh, wow. engaged in the process. The ideas were phenomenal. We yes. had a horribly hard time trying to get it down to 10 finalists, which we then brought forward to a kind of shark's den, dragon's den style uh, yeah, yep. competition yep. with a number of senior executives as judges and that sort of thing. So people ended up pitching. They had to yep. pitch. They had to do, because we are uh, global, they had to do a two-minute pitch. So we watched their pitch and then they were live for Q&A. And the quality, right. the quality of these pitches was remarkable. And in that room, because we had it opened, we had it opened up to the entire organization. So we had hundreds of people online watching it through the, through the webinar, as well as on the phone and, and live in the building at the head office. And it was as if I was watching culture change before my very eyes. Wow. It literally, I could feel it. I could feel like, wow, we have done something right now because of the level of engagement, the level of excitement. People were so happy that they had been a finalist. What do you finalist. think you had, had tapped into? Do you have a sense of that? Oh, yes. People were like, finally. Finally, uh, I'm yeah, being... finally, the head office is listening to me, right? Like, I am the one that is close to what is happening. And please ask me. You also gave them a structure. Mm. I think that's the difference because then you were committed to implement. So it wasn't just, oh, I'm listening. It's, I'm going to do something about it. And here is the snowball effect that you've started. Yes. Yeah, so that, I get that sense. So it's not... Um, you want something and that could end up, go who knows, going nowhere. Yes. Um, there was a sense that was going to be a, a pitching process, a prioritization, and even it sounds like the investment in the kit yes. sort of symbolized something as well. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Like you, the organization was going to take this seriously. Yeah. And we committed that the winners would be piloted and our objective was to scale Great. across Canada. Great. 
And so that was, I think, really helpful. We had contemplated, and for some companies this works, where they take ideas nonstop yes. through some kind of portal, and there's many software packages right now. But we just didn't think for us it was manageable. I don't have a big team. People think I have a much bigger team sure. than I have because we produce a lot. Yes. But we do it because, to Kate's point, it is organized, it is structured, there's freedom within that. But we really only do this once a year. We and do this particular program a once a year. How long is the window that you run? Yeah, this? so we run it over. They've got two months to come up with the idea. We've got sort of a month to evaluate it and come back with the winners. And then we've got three or four months to pilot. It gives us a proper period to then, if it's scalable, we need to get it into the operating budget and the capital process nice. and all those nice. things that we need to so do. So, Kate, that's right. what you're meaning by how cleverly this is linked into the business yes. processes. So it's part of the cycle now. Yeah, it's terrific. And one of the winners, for example, they had this idea of underbed sensor lighting so that okay. people would have an easier time getting to the washroom and that, that their way would be lit up and that and that this would reduce falls. Right. right. Which so is, I... does that seem simple to you? Like it was like, oh my goodness, no one's thought of this. And uh, they reduce falls at night by 40%. Are you serious? 40%. And falls for seniors can have devastating of impacts course. on their quality of life. It was just brilliant. And so this has been, it was, so it was piloted. It was, um, we took out all the tweaks out. We did an RFP for a vendor and all the things that you would normally do in a business cycle. And it's now being scaled across Canada, across the company. Across the company. Yeah. Fantastic. So it's amazing. And, and we're really grateful. Another great story that came out of that first one was uh, a dietitian. He worked in the kitchen yes. and he couldn't stand all the paperwork. Every, all the menus were, everything <laughs> was done by hand. It was just paperwork in the back and chits that the waitresses would have to bring back. And it was just all very old fashioned. And he wanted to automate that, but also in, increase the experience for the residents. So, and also the safety issues around allergies and that sort of thing. So people yes. knew right away, yes, this pasta dish has sesame in it or whatever it might be that yes. that person can't have and make all that easier. And so again, we did a pilot, they had a company that they had wanted to work with. So we linked that to our other pillar of working with innovators. And he has now been seconded right. to scale. He's the project manager for scaling this. Fantastic. It's fantastic. So that's open up career opportunities. Exactly. So people exactly. somebody who might have been stuck in a, I don't know, a regional part of Canada. Yes. In a small site. Yeah, he's traveling. All of a sudden. Traveling the country, helping to implement his idea. Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, so there's a pilot phase. And yes. an assessment of the pilot. Exactly. So we really try and understand, will this work? What are the practical things that might happen to something that you've got plugged in and the bed moves or this happens? There's all kinds of things that you learn when you do a pilot. So we really were trying to, it's still with the idea and intent to scale. So we're just trying to make sure that it is scalable. And Let's, there's some you have to kill. Of course. Uh, I mean, we're not saying this is all glorious and you pick a winner. We had some that it was a great idea. It worked in a small scale, it did not work when we tried to put it out to 200 communities or 250 communities. Um, we just couldn't get the, you know, couldn't get the return Which on Which I'd imagine also helps people um, on the ground uh, actually understand the size and the complexity of the business they're part of. Yes. And what it actually takes to, it might be frustrating for you on the ground, but the ability to be able to replicate it uh, 
becomes part of their thinking as well. Yeah, that's such a good point. And in fact, if I jump to our Innovators and in Aging program, this is our program where okay. we work with innovators. Yes. And I speak to entrepreneurs and, and innovators all the time. And I honestly sometimes say to them, go find a small company to work with. Right. Go, because sometimes when you're small, it is much easier to pilot with a small company. We are big and hairy and yes. complicated. Yes. And although it might work at one site, when I try and figure out the workflow impact, when I try and understand the workload impact on yes. the frontline staff, when I try and understand the return on investment, yes. I can't get it to add up at sure. their stage. Yes. So I say to them, go somewhere else, work with a smaller company, get it to a better state, come back to me. Makes sense. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. So you're almost like a little mini version of, uh, like you could, you're running little seed capital. Uh. We do actually. <laughs> We're so excited. We, I worked uh, with our CEO to get our board to approve a twenty million dollar fund that is available for us. Right. So it's not for piloting and using for operational use. It's actually for investment uh, in great. companies. Great. So we we can invest directly. It really aligns our interests. So and what we about like the rest company. of the industry? So outside of your particular organization, mm -hmm. are they taking notice? They are. They are taking notice. And I want, you know, what's the high tide raises all ships. I would really like that to happen Yes. Uh, because we need it. We have, we have, we're supporting seniors. We should all be doing a fabulous job. So it's not There's not enough of it, yeah. as far as I'm concerned, not enough. Well, and I think the measure is how many jobs now have innovation in them. Trish, you mentioned that. Yeah, common. yeah, it's true. So we're starting to starting Whereas to in the see industry it. before that word wouldn't have existed. That word would not have existed. Right. Yeah, exactly. So I think we have been helpful in our sector to open up people's eyes around. This is possible. Anyone yeah. can do it. I, I think of myself. I would have said to you, no way in my career will I ever be in charge of innovation. It's not me. I'm not creative. That's, I think, what I would have said So that, that, that was myself. some of this, the limiting mindset for yourself around absolutely, this? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. I was terrified when right. my the CEO said, you're going to be in charge of innovation yeah. for this company. I thought... I am completely unqualified right. to do this. Completely right. unqualified. I was right. depressed for two weeks, I think. You know, <laughs> I had to like pick myself up off the ground and shake myself off so, and say like, okay, okay I can so do this. follow then, what awards have you got across the region now? Yeah, so we have won some uh, wonderful awards around is it, innovation. I know it is a we, but is there also an I element? <laughs> I, I think so, Trish. <laughs> no, it's true. Yeah, we have won um, an impact award for innovation out of Boston. It's a North American uh, organization that awards. So we just picked that up lately. And we've got a couple of other things on the go, which is really wonderful. But I think my point is we all are creative. Yes. We, it is innate in us. Yes. I love bringing up a picture of Legos when I do presentation yes. and say, who has played with these? Yes. Everybody. Yes. We have all created things. We have all done. We've just forgotten yes. because we grow up and we have all these things that break it, put things around us versus open us up. The other piece, Trish, you might want to talk a little bit about is giving people a voice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so this is, I would love to. Thank you, Kate. One of the things that we do is we have resident innovation ambassadors. So these are customers. These are people who live in our communities. Yes. And we've given them this role of being our resident innovation ambassador. Oh, they, wonderful. It yeah. is wonderful. Yes. They both actually have said that it has changed their life. 
Right. It has given them such purpose. Yes. They feel so important and good about the work that they are doing. Right. And they take it so seriously. So one of them, for example, so they're, went they're out. they're residents. They're not. They're residents. Not, yes. We don't even really, I mean, we don't really pay them. We give them a little stipend. We pay for their expenses. But we use them to get feedback and input. So, for example, one of them went to, we are, we are developers, so we build buildings from scratch. He actually went out to one that was newly opened, and he did a very careful walkthrough to say, I think this is good. I think I might have moved this. Or okay. I think you've given this too much space, and okay. you might want to think about a common area here that's a bit different. So he gave very his opinion, of course, and that's just one opinion. But having lived in a community and yes. sort of knowing the flow the, the, of the day. The user experience. It's the user experience. And that customer experience, that voice is so important. And we don't get enough of it. And we certainly, I think when we're sitting, as I call it, the Taj Mahal in the head office, wherever that might be, we're so disconnected. Sure. We can be so disconnected from the voice of the customer. And you really have to bring that in and yes. find ways to do that. So one of the ways that we've done that is... They have office hours in wow. our office that they come in. And one of them is quite mobile. The other one is actually in a wheelchair now. He's yes. had a stroke, but we still he still comes in. Yes. And uh, so physically, even just physically having them in the office has made a huge difference. In, in to, the head office. To the head office. There's yes. 400 of us there. Yes. Rem remembering who our customer is. Yes. And we've recently made it mandatory for any new employee must spend a half hour with each of them. Right. So they must talk about and understand that lived experience of the customer as a new employee and get right. that connection to who, what do we do here? And I think, I think almost any large organization I can think of, it is so easy to get disconnected. Indeed. It's so easy to get fascinated with spreadsheets and meetings and mm -hmm. uh, business cases and just lose sight of what you're actually there to do. Yeah, absolutely. We're looking at even having new employees listen into the customer line to our, right. you know, to the uh, phone number that's on our website. What are people asking about? Yes. What kind of state are they in when they call us? Usually they're under quite, they're distressed. Yes. Something's happened to a loved one. They're yeah. sort of scrambling for options and what should we be doing? And how do we help that? How do yeah. we help them? And how do we continue to connect to our empathy around our business, whatever that may be. Yes. And we need to keep that alive. And so we're trying to do that through this innovation stream as well. I'm going to, um, I suppose, slightly refocus um, the question to what does this mean for people listening, especially that term innovation, almost try to demystify it, which I think you you have through the story, um, you know, that it is doesn't need to be as complicated as we make it out to be. It uh, can be intimidating. So I'd love to kind of unpack that with you. But the one thing that I'm kind of reminded of is even if you only got one thing from this, that was the 40% of uh, reduction in falls, that's it right. would have been worth it. One, that, if that's all we did. If that's all we did. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Yeah. And it just was opening it up. This was all there. All these ideas were there. Yes. They were just, they just needed that funnel to come through and be processed and have something happen. So you didn't happen. need a Back whole lot process. of consultants come in and run no, no. all this crazy stuff. You just needed to listen to your people and not not just the obvious, the employees, the, the um, residents, the residents' family, the strategic partners, the suppliers. 
Yeah, exactly. The whole system. Yeah, the whole system. The whole yeah. system. And thank you for saying uh, the vendors, like our suppliers. That's an, actually an important area of innovation as well. So again, people think innovation is quite complicated. I see it as a range right. where on one end you have incremental innovation that yeah. is just small improvements. Do it quickly. Fail quickly. Yes. Keep Just do it. Just do. Who cares? Whatever. Yeah. It doesn't work. You yep. kill it and you move on. But it when you start doing at least that, it starts to change culture. I mean, we're back to this how do you make people feel safe in trying things and speaking out and you know if that's what you want for your organization then innovation is an important culture shifter it really is it really has a powerful ability to help people think differently so let, even let's stick starting with, with that yeah, just at the lower end of incremental innovation right okay I, lo I love this I love what the love what love the way you're describing it so that sense of innovation can be uh, a catalyst for cultural change, particularly in an industry that was quite maybe stuck or quite... Very much. Uh, very, yeah. very much. Dark yeah. ages. Yes. In many ways. Yes. So you've done something by creating, and I'll put my own words around it. The first thing was about um, listening, but it also sounded like listening in a way that gave people confidence something would happen. That's right. Um, exactly. So let's stick... Uh, again, a bit further. What else were the ingredients that actually ensure the culture culture change started to take place? Yeah, I think it's many things. So it's communication. Yes. And what we try and do, for example, on our intranet is we try and keep stories fresh of, oh, we met with this innovator or we did this or we did that. So the reminder that what happened maybe six months ago or even 12 months ago is still alive. Exactly. And going somewhere, even if... It wasn't in, in my particular location. That's right. That's yeah, right. But. And again, I'm a big believer in keeping things simple. We do an annual report and we send that out to, and we try and have it in all the staff rooms and out to all of the communities, out to the residents. So people can just catch up on, oh yes, I've had forgotten. Yes. We had done this last year and that last year and that all related to innovation. We've also tried to um, get those focus groups going or engage executive directors. We send out entrepreneurs. So if I know there's an entrepreneur in Vancouver and they would, are trying to get some impact, we'll connect them. We'll connect right. them to community. We'll connect them to seniors. We'll make sure that there's a way for so you become a bit of sites. A, you become a bit of a hub to to connect uh, the sites to each other. Yeah, well. exactly, exactly. Yeah. And also, I think the culture is also my role. I would see as part of our senior leadership team is to often say, well, why are we doing it that way? Yes. Why couldn't we do it this way? Yes. Why can't we try this? Yes. And to kind of push this idea of being more nimble, yeah. why aren't we asking residents first? Why are we doing this project without, without finding out whether they even want it? Right. Like we often do things based on, we don't do it based on desirability to design thinking principles. We don't base it on the desirability of what we're trying to do. We base it on its feasibility and viability. Right. Those are the last things we should be thinking yes. about. But you know, we businesses have a certain way of thinking and it's a it's really it's not just a cultural change for our employees. I my role is also a cultural change for the senior leadership team. Yes. So um, and maybe let's get into that because I would imagine that's a big part of what you need to do, influence that executive mm -hmm. and keep this stuff front of mind. One of the things I love, um, and I imagine you love this as well, Kate, that sense of you're integrating this into the, say, the budget process. That's right. Um, 
which you know which we screwed up on the first year okay tell us about may that. i say <laughs> which was quite a disaster right so i should know better i mean i i i was in operations yes. i know there's a cycle i'm an accountant for heaven's sakes <laughs> right. uh but for whatever because of the way the pilots worked and then they needed to be ex- we missed it right we missed we just so great missed ideas that the cycle we're never going to get funded oh my goodness <laughs> honest to goodness it was just like a nightmare it was a nightmare these wonderful ideas we had promised that we were going to scale them and i had missed right. i had missed the cycle for operating budget so that took a lot of sweet talking sure. and this is where your network and your relationships really come into play because i kind of had to backtrack completely backtrack you know, I'm sorry, you, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, you'd please promises. give me money. Yes, yes, we had to do, we <laughs> had to do it. So partially I funded um, a bit more of the start of the roll-up. Partially I got it from operations. I, I, I just took a little bit of money from all over in order right. to make sure that we could execute. But that was a, that was a huge miss. And operations, you can't expect them to just open their doors to innovation. Like you have to understand that when you're an operator, yeah. you have fires every day. You have stuff you have to deliver on day in and day out. And regulation. And, regulation. and, and we are like this buzzing thing that is annoying yeah. sometimes. <laughs> yes. We're just annoying. And so How we have to How many times are head office just annoying? Yes. Like I think everyone, a lot of people out there would be saying Yeah, that. but even just within the company, innovation can be annoying to operations. Sure. Right, because we're trying to inject into their their work plan for a year oh, all these exciting and different and new things, which yes, they are important, but they might not be as important as some of the other projects they're trying to do. Yes. So that connection to operations to really make sure that innovation is well integrated and aligned with the objectives of operations, I think that's a really important point. Yes. And sometimes you see things being done really rogue and that won't, it's just not sustainable. You yes. can do that for a little while and maybe it's a good way to spark some innovation, but I think ultimately you want it to be integrated. Right. And I think it also comes back to the fact of you being given the job. Now, admittedly, it's not your only role that you do, uh, but actually the CEO having the vision yes. to yes. say someone is going to be head of innovation. It's not just, oh, such and such had that bit on the side and did a bit of that. It's a real role and it's a it's real not a job. job. It's legitimate. Yes. I don't think that innovation will survive in any organization if the CEO is not completely aligned and supportive. Yes. It will not thrive. It will not work. It will not get support. I agree with you, Kate, wholeheartedly. Without the CEO's support, yes. I would not be able, I would never have had the freedom yes. to be able to do what I have done and to be able to sustain it. Okay. Partially it's funding. I mean, it's, I don't have a big team, as I said, but it's still, it's that, it's that if I am in um, a bit of a loggerhead with my operational colleague, my CEO is going to say, we have to be innovative. And, you know, it's easy to say, we'll just do things the same way. But I have a CEO, you're right, you're absolutely right. And so I think that's a, such an important point about the senior leadership support of innovation. Kate, I need know you probably need to go in a moment, but what do you sense the CEO may have seen in Trish in particular that she couldn't see in herself? That, you know the old word, continuous improvement? Yes. We all grew up with that in the 80s. Trish tackles life with that as her underlying fundamental principle the way that she looks at operating personally through her philanthropic work through her leadership work and through her 
actual paid employment, she looks to find a better path. And I think he saw that that's actually, in the current generation, that's innovation. (laughs) So I've never met your CEO, but I don't think he would have thought he's someone who's underqualified. He would have thought he's someone who fundamentally thinks in an innovative fashion, I just need to give her a framework, (laughs) give her a title and let her go. And so what it's done, it's really just taken the continuous improvement thinking and you, to Trisha's credit, you've done some design thinking and you absolutely have done more than a reading of a ninety, you know, a, a three-page article on the Harvard Business Review. But uh, I think what it's done is really given a framework and credentialised you into what you already did. So much so that she should now be writing the article? Oh, the next facet of the article, absolutely. absolutely. And I think what's interesting is to take it to an industry that isn't known for innovation. Yeah, of course. And mm-hmm. yes, it's known for step change, but everything is blowing against it. Uh, you, you know, regulation, the aged workforce, hard to find. Um, it's not like a workforce. it's not like a tech startup environment. Exactly. You, yeah. And so the cultural change piece, then is even stronger and I think the work I mean Trish you haven't talked about the work you've done around M&A work and and bringing in businesses and culture change I think it's bringing together that continuous improvement thinking but the culture change and in the story we've already heard all of that it's now just packaged up in something that we conveniently call innovation but I Mm -hmm. think what you've done is taken it to the next level um, because you have empowered the oldest and most wise people (laughs) that are right there Yes. with these answers yes. and you've also empowered a workforce which i haven't joined a startup no you know they haven't joined a exactly. an innovative industry but you have sparked them so i think it's pretty it's a well and you know, you've got me thinking because you're right you're tapping into the wisdom of uh your residents who've lived a life uh, and you're tapping into uh your employees who i suspect have chosen that career of for meaning and purpose, exactly. Not just, f- not for money. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so it, the ingredients are there, and what you've been able to do is tap into it. Yeah, yeah. it's been great. There's lots more to do. It's not utopia yet, <laughs> yes. but it is in a much better place. And right. I think that most of our competitors would see us as the most innovative company in our sector, um, for sure. And we rival most of the ones in North America you know, in the US that I'm aware of. So I think that we have done, as you said, a good job of really focusing in on what are we trying to accomplish, marry that with operational objectives, put in a strong process for it to happen, execute well, make sure that we deliver on our promises and our commitments. And at the same time, stay nimble to the idea that, well, this might need to be tweaked and maybe we need to go into another direction. So kind of always having both both structure and discipline married with creativity and openness. I love that. Cause it the takeaway also linking it to the business. Mm-hmm. So the piece that you said, you ain't given $20 million if you can't find return on that. But as soon as you can find some safety return and some financial return, it's then got legs of its own because it's integrated, apart from the cultural and the non-measure, the softer stuff. So I think you very smartly, while you might have missed the first business cycle, <laughs> learned from that mistake, uh, but you very smartly have shown the return on that um, and that then builds on the business. And I love that, I, 
I'm, we were talking about quotes earlier today. In fact, before we got on, on the That's mic. That's right. Um, and I will def- definitely re-listen back to what you just said prior to Kate's comment around it's the almost the marriage between the creative and the discipline, the structure, the operations. And that that's probably what makes you and this role actually work. Yeah, I think especially in a large company, yes. I think if you had if you were working with something smaller, you could probably lean more into the the nimble and open yes. and more risk taking. We are owned by a crown corporation. We yes. we have a lot of structure that we must kind of we're obliged to um, be part of and governed by. And so, yeah, it's really important to be able to marry those two things and to keep them in balance. But um, I see, though, my role definitely as pushing more, right, to make sure that we're always saying, well, why not? Like, let's try this. Let's yeah. just, let's bring this company in. Let's just see what happens. Yeah, and you, again, you and, and I know you said this, Kate, but, you know, heavily regulated, mm-hmm. gov- I'm sure government presence, I'm sure press is interested like you if, if something goes wrong indeed it's front page news yeah um so there is a lot of things working against innovation there is in fact we're taking a highly regulated community and we're about to make it an innovation lab where what? we're going to wow. do some training at the site we're going to have one of our staff there myself included just be there kind of once a week to just see what's going on. We're going to open it up both to our entrepreneur and um, innovation partners and in some ways just see what happens. And yes, there's all kinds of things that we have to do. The legal department is not happy with me, (laughs) not happy with me right now, but I feel like (laughs) if we can't do better for the most vulnerable people in our society, then what the heck am I doing you know yes. like we've got to do better we can do better not so, just our company everybody yes so let's go there for a bit further um your own purpose in this that sense of because I can see it almost in your eyes as you're describing it this mm-hmm. way um what, what meaning do you personally draw from the role that you're playing yeah we we work with seniors and they have so much to give and ageism is rampant Rampant. I feel it. I'm. I'm in my fifties. I feel it, and I'm only in my fifties. Imagine when you're that on Survivor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly. But when you're in your seventies and your eighties, guess yes. what? You are invisible yes. to society, and that is horrific. Mm. And so I'm on a bit of a mission around. These are people that have such wisdom and so much to offer us, and we need to make their life purposeful, and we need to do as much as we can so that they live their life to the fullest in their way however they want however they choose and I feel like innovation and the role I have helps me in a small way to help them yeah I love it I love it let's kind of look to almost wrapping this up what's what's this I mean what's the takeaway you'd love people who are listening to leadership of fools to to walk away with Um, what do you Mm -hmm. hope people start to make sense of um, one thing that I think is strong for you is that innovation is for everyone. Absolutely. And you heard the story at the beginning. I mean, I felt completely underqualified to be a leader in this role. But when you think about just 
finding a way to move forward with innovation, whether that's a small way in your company, a larger way, no matter where you are in an organization, whether you're the CEO or whether you're just a line manager, everyone can do something. Everyone. So it is a, it is absolutely essential yes. for innovation to be part of every organization. And so I would say to everyone, what is your role? What are you doing right now in your role right now that could make it more innovative, that could make it a bit more risk-taking, a bit more open to other ideas. So I feel like everyone can do that. And that goes back almost, and I'd love, I'd love to see this, the pack, the pack that you sent out to people had questions in it? Yes, it did. Like, for example, one question was, what would it be like if Disney was running this community? Brilliant. Brilliant. Things okay. like that. So, so things that just evoked a different mindset yes. and helped people yes. get Help out people of their... access... Correct. Rather than that word innovation, they could access through a very different lens. Yeah, just some simple questions. Nice. Things that evoked empathy. So yes. uh, we had a theme on falls and we asked people to share a story of themselves or someone they loved that had fallen. Yeah, yeah. To cr- evoke empathy around then problem them. solving. Yes. And people love to problem solve. They do. They uh, really do. Yeah. So, and that sounds like that's the culture you were tapping into. How do we create problem solving in a constructive way at scale that's right <laughs> that's right so that it's it's meaningful that it hits all our check marks it's it's financial it hits the resident it benefits the employees it does sort of everything yeah. ideally i'm really i'm really genuinely pumped about this story like the, there's so much more um that i want to keep on asking what what's what have we missed i think i want to just add that it is essential to be able to communicate with your customers and to understand their ideas and their, they can't always design what the next thing they need is, sort sure. of a la Apple, but can they tell you, oh, I wish this was like this? They probably can. Yes. And observation, can, yeah. observation is actually better than speaking to them. So tell, often tell sitting, well, I would say like, so sometimes I'll just go to a community and sit and watch what's going on. Okay. And you'll realize, oh my goodness, like, they are having such trouble moving from that activity to this activity. And that happens every day. And there's a great big, just like simple things. And that, that we might can not just, have come up if you were running a focus group. No, it probably would not have come up. But it probably would not have come up. You actually a witness to it. You can That's right. See. Or watching a program and seeing, well, are people coming? Are they not coming? And then trying to understand, well, what might generate um, interest in this? And what interests have we missed? And, yes. and that sort of thing. So I think... Having a place or a way for your customer to have that insight, whether you're observing the insight, you're talking to them, the folk, the regular focus groups and other things. But again, that design thinking mindset of observation yes. and looking for those, aha, interesting insights. You're looking for things that maybe are kind of nuanced and those, those are really valuable. And I can't help but lift that back up to you then need a dedicated and perhaps a mature executive that says it's worth the investment to have someone like you go out to a residence and sit and watch like because it because immediately you can't say well what's the task what's the deliverable um 
it, there's some patience around this. Yeah, there is. There is. There absolutely is. And I think you need someone to be in charge of innovation. Oh, I think yes. that's the last that's what thing. Kate emphasized. Someone, you can't yeah. assume that your company is innovative. You can't assume that marketing is sort of doing innovation. You yes. really have to identify who is the senior person in charge. And I also have, I mean, I have other departments under me, the project management office. I have the IT department strategy, but it's still, I still am accountable for innovation. Yeah, right. And I, I feel like that clarity has to happen in order to build in innovation into operating plans, into budgeting processes, into strategic planning, and all of those other things that are so important to business. There is a CEO I work with closely as a, as a client, and um, perhaps even before I publish this to the public, I'm going to send this to him immediately because I think everything you're saying, um, and that's the role he can play. He can play that I can legitimize this. I can actually set up a dedicated role. I can link this to the budget. I can um, make sure we deliver on what we promise. I can make sure we are listening to all the right stakeholders. So there, there's this mm-hmm. this podcast called Leadership of Fools. That's the leadership moment. It is that needs to happen before um, the wonderful uh, changes that you you can uh, talk about. They wouldn't have happened without that leadership. Yeah, it needs to happen. And that leadership needs to happen for the benefit of, of all companies, all of the customers, all all of us, right? Yes. We need people to see the future with a different lens. And it does start with saying, we are going to do this in this company. I love we it. are just going to do it. Yes, I love it. Have we missed anything else? Ah, oh, Trish, this is, just, this is just wonderful. I'm going to jump on a plane and come over to Toronto, but not in January. Anytime. Any um, any of your any of your listeners are also welcome. Come oh, to fantastic. Canada. We would love to have you. Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, it's been absolute delightful. I'm I'm painting a picture. It is a January day. We're looking outside the blue skies. People are heading to the beach. Um, and yet I couldn't have been any better place talking with you around um Something with really genuine meaning. Uh, and um, my wife, Nerissa, her dad has just gone into residence. Um, and so it's very close to home, but I'm sure it's close to home to everyone. It um, is. So really powerful. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome so much. So delightful to yeah. do this with you. Thank you. Thanks, Trish. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening, everyone and especially to Trish and to Kate. That uh, was a wonderful way to uh, start 2019 and to focus on the ever-complicated topic of innovation. And uh, I know for me, Trish made that a whole lot more accessible, demystified it, and uh, the practical and pragmatic examples uh, seem to make all the difference. Please... uh, let your friends know about Leadership of Fools. Obviously, if you enjoy it, uh, rate us, uh, check us out on Spotify, on Apple Podcast, And 2019, we're really looking forward to uh, bringing you some wonderful conversations, some wonderful talent, uh, and a couple of new concepts, including Leadership of Films. Thanks, everyone.